So you spent your whole life in newspapers. What is it like coming into healthcare? So I have been very stimulated because I'm in such a learning curve right. about healthcare. I enjoy going to meetings where I can learn a lot more. There are a lot of acronyms in healthcare, <laughs> and I'm constantly having to ask, you got that right. what <laughs> does that mean? This is Gina DiPietro. For more than 30 years, Ann Culkin's worked in the news business, including 12 years as publisher of the Charlotte Observer. Today, she serves as senior vice president of Novant Health and president of the Novant Health Foundations. Her mission, to engage and connect donors to Novant Health programs and initiatives that save lives and improve the health of communities served by Novant Health. In this episode, she speaks to Roland Wilkerson about how her career in newspaper publishing prepared her for a transition to healthcare and a new role at the Novant Health Foundations. Thanks for listening. So we'll start with a little transparency here. And you and I actually worked together um, at the Charlotte Observer for many years. You were the publisher and I was a line editor. Uh, and in that job, you work with reporters. So just wanted to put that on the, uh, on the record. And Absolutely. The world can really be a small place because here we are Absolutely. at Absolutely. I think we had about maybe 10 or 11 yeah, years of I overlap. I think that's right, yeah. Working so, through digital transformation. Yes, it definitely was a transformation. So uh, good to be working with you again. Great um, to be here. Um, so your first job out of school with newspapers was, I believe, cold calling on small businesses for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. That would um, be correct. Trying to sell them newspaper ad space. So what did you learn um, in those early days that still carries over to what you do today? Well, first off, I always wanted to work in newspapers. My parents had the morning paper, the evening paper. They loved the news. We had conversations about the news. And so I had worked for the Waco Tribune Herald while I was at Baylor University in advertising and absolutely loved newspapers and the credibility. But where I got in was on the advertising side. And so that taught me so many things. Number one, that if a newspaper doesn't have the funding of the advertising, we can't do great journalism. So I took my job very, very seriously. But I also learned that I could get yes after someone said no multiple times. It taught me incredible skills about going back, building a credible relationship, finding out more about their business needs, and then how could I help them grow their businesses. And that not only taught me an incredible amount of information about all different types of businesses, it taught me incredible people skills. But I only ever was an advertising account executive because I wanted to be a publisher. My first job evaluation stated that I had my eyes on the publisher job, wow. which was a very unusual thing because in Fort Worth, Texas, not only were there no women in right. management, uh, there certainly was no thought of ever a female being a publisher of a newspaper. So how did you decide at such an early age that you wanted to shoot so high? So I'm very goal-oriented. I wanted to be running newspapers because of the missions it served. For me, it was about giving a voice to the voiceless. It was about holding people accountable with watchdog journalism. I loved everything newspapers did, and I knew the way up for me was to come in through the business side, through the advertising side, which I got into accidentally at the Waco Tribune Herald, but was good at, so that I could try to move my way up. Um, so, 
fast forward a few decades and you were publisher <laughs> you were publisher of the Charlotte Observer at really an incredibly epic time where business model, technology and consumer habits and expectations flipped almost overnight. Correct. Um, what did you what was your big takeaway from that 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 carries into your job today? So when I came to the Observer I felt well equipped for digital transformation, for culture transformation, for building revenue and increasing operating cash flow, and frankly, building the enthusiasm of the employee base. Would I know exactly what would be in front of me with the financial meltdown that then impacted advertising? Right. In Charlotte, we fell off a deep cliff. The digital transformation and how I would that would play into it. I didn't know all those, but I always felt I was the very best person for that job. Because I felt like if I could inspire and stay committed to my mission, my North Star of providing great journalism, and if I could continue to come up with the revenue initiatives to try to preserve as much of that, as many of our team members' jobs as I could, that I was always the right person for the job. What I loved about the job was the mission. It got me excited every day, preserving journalism. I loved the team members, some of the most intellectually curious people I knew. I love the frank discussions, I love the collaboration, and I would do that job as long as I could believe in our mission and our ability to do the revenue pieces to preserve the journalism, and as long as I loved it. And so how does that carry over into your current job? So people are really shocked at that transition, and it is such a natural transition. For me, the non-negotiables in my next gig, if I would ever have a next gig, was mission, mission, mission. Again, caring for all people, equity for all people, ability for healthcare mm. for all people, much of the same mission work of newspapers. But I also had to work for an organization where transparency, honesty, diversity, inclusion, all voices accepted at the table were a leading characteristic, a non-negotiable. I knew Carl Armato, I knew because we followed Novant Health from a newsroom point of view, I knew because he had been in front of the editorial board, I knew Jesse Curitan, and I knew out of all the organizations that I knew in this town from the Observer and covering them, that this might be the very best fit for me. And um, so let's talk a little bit about what you do in this current job. I think a lot of people probably don't understand what hospital foundations do and and its role in providing care at Novant Health. So let me talk about my role as the leader of six Novant Health Foundations in the communities where we have hospitals. If we raise funds and we do a good job of that, it enables us to save lives, enhance people's lives. It enables us sometimes to purchase new equipment that might not have been on the top priority list. There is not enough money out there to upgrade all the equipment we want upgraded, to have phase one clinical trials right now, to upgrade a cancer floor, to have all the initiatives and programs we want to launch all at one time. So with the foundation funds and the money we raise, we can make those things happen now instead of two years away, five years away. We work with community engagement. We have given millions this year to initiatives for 
health equity, getting rid of that divide, of that disparity. What's an example of that? It may be us partnering with a dental clinic, because dental health care for un our uninsured and our underserved doesn't happen, especially for our children. Giving immunizations, 10,900 of them, through a mobile unit for children that could not get those otherwise. The list goes on and on and on. We fund for behavioral health in the underinsured, an area of big concern if you don't have insurance. And so, so the, the money that um, the foundations grant to the communities it serves, where does that come from? So we have money coming from all different places. We have money coming from donors. Many times those are grateful patients. We have money coming from community members that just love the work we're doing. That's an individual. But we also have a very large grants team. Well, not as large as it should be. They do a tremendous amount of work. <laughs> and we have major funders like the Duke Endowment, Hearst Foundation, Canon, that give us money. And we do a great job of working with all of our leaders throughout, throughout Novant Health, whether it's community engagement, physician leaders, and others to say, what are key needs you have where you don't have the funding? And then we do the grants, and then our grants team carefully manages those grants because those people that give us the money want to make sure that those investments are paying off for them doing all the things they should do. So Randy Brantley as our leader has such high respect nationally because he does that so very well. So you're still uh, new in the job and uh, Novant Health is a big place, 15 hospitals, almost 30,000 team members. Um, so I know you're still getting a feel for things. Do you have a favorite story or observation at this point from just what you've seen? Um, so I have many. One is uh, we do guardian angel pinnings. This is an opportunity for a family that has had an incredible experience. They want to give back, they give a donation, but they want to honor a team, a doctor, a nurse, a CNA. And so early on we had a guardian patient pinning. And here's the story. There was a family that had moved here from Nashville. They have a child, a young man in his 20s, profoundly autistic, he cannot communicate. And they had been going back to their primary care physician all the way back in Nashville. They had started to meet a primary care physician here to build that relationship. Because when you think about how hard it is to have relationship with someone that's non-communicative, it's a, it's a challenge. This young man has seizures and other health issues. He had a very violent seizure one night. They had to get here quickly. And so the primary care physician came in and understood this young man. We, and through the communication with someone who does not have communication skills, through this primary care physician talking through kind of what happens in TV shows and comparing what they might do and what happened through TV shows to get this young man comfortable. Comfortable enough for us to have a careful examination. This convulsion had been so violent, this young man had broken his hip. Wow. Unusual that we would have been made that discovery because the young man wasn't showing as much pain as he was probably in. We were able to make that diagnosis early on, bring in one of our orthopedic surgeons, and this young man's comfort level 
because of the way the primary care doc who had gotten to know this young man communicated in a very creative way to be able to keep him calm, get an examination done, and get surgery. This family was so thankful. So they come from for the pinning, and this young man wanted to do the pinnings. He was so excited. We gave him the pins, and when we do a garden angel pinning, the docs and the nurses that they wanted to honor have no idea what's about to happen. They're just called to a meeting. They walk in. There's all the their peers. It's very touching. Um, one of the individual leaders, physicians, started to talk about the whole program. The mother reads the letter, and this young man just could not wait. I was like, we got to shorten this. He wants to do these pinnings, mm. and when he did those actual pinnings on those two doctors and that nurse, it was so touching mm. to me. And though he couldn't do the words he could express in his heart, he could express with his big hugs, he could express with pointing to the pens what these, this team had meant to him. So it's not exactly a secret that in Charlotte, uh, Novant Health is the smaller of two healthcare uh, uh, organizations. And, and some people might see that as a disadvantage. What do you say to that? Both of my parents, having moved here in March, have spent more time than I would wish in Presbyterian Hospital. And so what I can say to other people and what I believe in my heart is what our caregivers do to be high touch, high nurture, get to know each and every each and every patient to see how those CNAs and those nurses, along with the docs, give extraordinary care, but also get to know each patient on a personal level makes me so proud to work for this organization. So I think we're known for that. I hear that when people come through Presbyterian Hospital, they talk about the people that made their experience extraordinary. So I'm very proud of what we stand for, and I find that people want to come here, be here, when they hear about the remarkable care, not only the extraordinary physicians and what they can do, but how they also treat each, each parent, patient and my parents with such care. Hold their hand, let my mom kiss them on the cheek, whatever it takes, they do. And I think that's an incredible story that Novant has and Presbyterian Medical Center has. Gina DiPietro again. For more information about the role of Novant Health Foundations and the impact they have on their communities, go to www.supportnovant.org. Be sure to subscribe to the Healthy Headlines podcast to find these and many others. Just so you know, most of our episodes are 20 minutes or less. If you get a chance, please take a moment to rate and review us. Thanks for listening.